You can avoid expensive surprises and feel more confident in leading your remodel when you know the kitchen building code issues that may come up during planning and construction of your MCM kitchen update. Today, we'll discuss the things you should know so that you can hold your own when talking to designers, builders, and inspectors who will help during your remodel process. Hey there! Welcome back to Mid-Mod Remodel. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to Season 5, Episode 4. Today is going to be all about our friend, the building code. Why am I so happy about this topic that usually elicits a set of grumpy complaints? Because the code and the inspectors who enforce it are meant to keep us safe and secure. As long as you can see potential road bumps coming with the code, you can address them with ease. So pay close attention to the kitchen building code issues we talk about today. With a little of this knowledge in your back pocket, you'll be ready to talk to the designers, installers, subcontractors, and city officials about what you plan for your kitchen building code compliant home update. This whole season is about how to plan a wonderful update for your mid-century kitchen. We've looked at the ways that kitchens have changed over time and the ways they've not caught up with our current lifestyles. As we continue past this episode, we're going to cover the materials you should be using to make your updated kitchen remodel look MCM friendly and how to address the scale of your remodel, make it suit your life. Today though, code. As always, you'll find show notes with links to the references we make and an outline of the conversation on my website at midmod-midwest.com slash 504. All right, the building code changes, and it has changed since the time of mid-century homes because of technology, because of improvements in safety, because of public pressure and property value issues. Now, you don't need to be an expert, but it will help you to be conversant with some key areas of the building code that often come up in a kitchen remodel. I should note, this podcast is not intended to provide legal code advice. I'll be speaking about code issues generally, and as they come up in my home state of Wisconsin, which is generally code light compared with some other states around the U.S., Wisconsin uses the Uniform Dwelling Code. Other states like California have created their own state-specific codes to address their own standards and regional issues, like earthquakes. Many other places use the IRC, or the International Residential Code. There are also subspecific codes, like the Electric Code for kitchens, uh, the Plumbing Code. There are specific versions and dates they've been approved. You may also want to pay attention to fire separation between houses and garages if your kitchen opens out into the garage. And if your remodel will include an addition, you'll want to pay attention to zoning issues and setbacks for additions. It pays to be sure what the rules are in your specific municipality. The easiest way for a layperson to do this is to make a call or make an appointment to talk in person to your local building code officials. It never hurts to keep them in the loop about your planning, and they will be the best at pointing out or finding out the information that you need. When you talk to them, make sure you know what overarching code applies to your area and what issues they think are likely to come up in the projects that you have in mind. In some cases, you can simply call them up or wander into the building during open hours. In other cases, particularly now during COVID and the post-COVID crunch of building, you may have to make a formal appointment to discuss your home. Either way, plan to keep your local building department in the loop. I should note, building and planning departments are just as busy as the rest of the construction industry is right now. I've been told that this May is the busiest in memory of our Madison building department. Still, the people on the other side of that desk at your code office are well-meaning city employees, and their job is to help you get your remodel done right. Give them a try. So you might ask, why do you need to know any of this? If you're planning to hire a designer, a general contractor, or even subcontractors who will be responsible for planning and carrying out the work up to code, well, part 
really this just falls under the category of due diligence. It also goes hand in glove with my belief that the more you know about your home, the more you understand about the remodel process, the more confidently you can lead the way for the team you're assembling and avoid getting bumper card along to an outcome that isn't ideal for you. Ultimately, unless you are DIYing your entire project, you'll be hiring professionals and they should be well up on local code and responsible for following it. But if you know what to expect before you pick up the phone to solicit a bid, you'll be better prepared for the advice they give and the cost that they quote for their work. Again, disclaimer, what I discuss here is not intended to replace the advice of an expert who is familiar with your home and locality. Advice given in this general format can't replace the necessity to check your home and adhere to your state and city code requirements. So that circles back around to my general advice throughout planning. When in doubt, call an expert for a quick consult. In the case of code issues, that expert will probably be your local building department. They can confirm and clarify any code-related question. First, though, because I'm a history nerd, let's start with a little backstory on code in general. Many people planning a remodel and even experienced home contractors sometimes regard the building code and the inspection process as a straight nuisance. But I would like to reframe that. The building code is good for us. So here's a question or two to set that up. Do you assume that any building you walk into will stand up as long as you're inside it? If a fire were to break out, do you expect that an alarm will go off and you'll be able to push your way out a door that stands between you and safety? Do you take it for granted that you can heat up food without being smothered in gas fumes and that you can flush a toilet and the waste will be carried smoothly out of your life? If so, thank the building code. The code is a set of laws enacted by your town, county, state government, or a professional association that sets construction standards to protect our comfort and collective safety. It can be a little messy and confusing because basically it's a set of living documents that have been assembled over time to address problems that have come up in the past. Each point in the code is probably a memory of a bad accident or a careless mistake by someone a long time ago, or more recently. If you find all of this fun to study, you might want to check out one of my favorite books on residential history, Ranches, Row Houses, and Railroad Flats by Christine Hunter. In it, she delves deeply into the history of code in America and how it defines our homes and our whole way of life, the way that our cities look. Here's an example that comes from my own personal history. Um, the city of Chicago, where I lived before I came back to Madison, is a town of back alleys because of a code response to the Great Chicago Fire. That fire famously kicked off by Mrs. O'Leary's cow, or maybe that was just anti-Irish propaganda from the time, was undoubtedly devastating. It burned 17,000 buildings and took out four square miles of the city. As a result, the city set up stricter building regulations, limited the number of materials that a Chicago building could be constructed from, required wider streets, and added extra exit requirements from each residential unit. Basically, every living space had to be exited by two directions, two complete exterior doors. And this was answered by a system of alleys. Those rules created the kind of light, breezy-filled apartments and free-stranding houses that you find all over pre-mid-century Chicago. The three flat gray stones and courtyard apartment buildings, where I used to live, all have front formal entries and back exits that lead generally out through the kitchen to a stairwell that connects down to the alley. Alleys today are generally just for parking and for trash pickup. Although I should say, that is a big improvement to the city. I'm looking at you, New York, with your crash on the curb. But back in the day, those alleys were also the way that milk, ice, fresh vegetables, and laundry service were peddled right to kitchen doors. It was a wonderful way of life. 
alley living and backstair access is one of the things I missed most since living in Chicago, and that is a physical manifestation of the building code. If you want to learn more about that, I'll link to an article I wrote on the subject for my old firm in 2014. That'll be in the show notes if you're feeling curious about Chicago and its building code history. But back to the building code as it affects us when we plan a kitchen update. Basically, the code is a series of rules that is enforced by the building permit and the inspection process. You will run into it when you plan an update to your kitchen. That's because the building code changes over time, updating to reflect new technology and increased standards for safety, effectiveness, and energy efficiency. Any new part of your home you add on has to meet existing code requirements, and any existing areas that you modify significantly, as in a kitchen update, will have to be checked and probably bought up to date to meet codes that weren't in place when your house was built. Now, I can't and won't walk you through every potential code issue that will come up in a remodel, but here are a few key areas to start being aware of. No original mid-century home meets modern electrical standards. If your kitchen has never been updated, it is guaranteed to be non-code compliant. Now, the way the code works is that existing homes are grandfathered. You don't have to rush around tearing out walls to add electrical outlets to an otherwise functional house. But if you start to make changes, all the new work has to meet modern code. And if you change a lot about your house, you might be asked to go ahead and bring whole areas of the house or even the entire building up to modern standards in the process. Don't worry, just remodeling your kitchen isn't likely to make that happen. So we'll focus today on kitchen electric code specifically. First, the outlets in your kitchen will need to be 20 amp GCFI or ground fault circuit interrupt circuits. Basically, that means that the outlet is very sensitive to any flow of electricity between its two conductors and will trip if there's a problem. It's easy to reset an outlet by pushing the little red button in the center. This safety feature is meant to prevent you from electrocuting yourself, and it's handy in a kitchen because we're likely to have wet hands when we touch an outlet in there. You're also going to need a lot of outlets in a kitchen remodel. Your original mid-century kitchen might have had one outlet near the fridge, one for the stove, and another over the counter for your toaster. A modern kitchen is required to have one GCFI outlet every four feet along every piece of counter. Another way to think of that is that at any point along the counter where you stand, you should be less than two feet from an outlet. Any section of wall wider than 12 inches needs an outlet. This can feel overwhelming from a layout perspective and when you start to add up the cost of fun-looking outlet covers, but actually it's very useful when you're looking to places to plug in your microwave, mixer, Vitamix, coffee maker, and oh yeah, the tablet displaying the recipe. You'll need separate circuits for your lights versus your outlets, and you'll also need a circuit for the dishwasher, one for the garbage disposal, the microwave, the electric range, and a fridge. Basically, a new kitchen will take up a lot of space in your breaker box, so be prepared for that. If your kitchen does not currently have an exhaust fan over the range, and many mid-century kitchens don't, or if the current one just vents into your attic instead of out to the sky, that will also need updating. Again, this feels expensive, but it's much safer and much more pleasant for your future cooking experiences. If you're adding a whole bunch of new elements to your kitchen, you might also want to think about what's happening underneath the floor. Look at the structural code. Modern kitchens with islands, peninsulas, heavy countertops, and larger appliances can sometimes prove overtaxing for floor joists that formerly supported just a table and chairs. Be sure that you and your contractor are checking on the load characteristics of your floor joists. The good news here is that most mid-century builds were very solid, using old-growth lumber that was oversized for the need. Still, it pays to be safe. This might not be an issue that gets flagged by your permit process, 
But again, I'm not trying to advise you how to sneak this things past the inspectors, your goal is to plan a remodel that is built to last. So we want to answer every code question, whether it's raised by the office or not. Now, if you're remodeling within the current footprint of your house, you don't need to worry about zoning codes. But if you're thinking about even a small addition that comes near any of your property boundaries, make sure you've checked on your home's zoning designation. Again, when in doubt, call the permit office. And you know how much of a setback you need from your property lines at the front, side, and back of the lot. Another often surprising code issue for homeowners is fire separation from the garage. Many mid-century kitchens have a backyard door or a garage direct access door. In my sister's new home, for example, the kitchen has a door to a tiny hallway where you can turn right, go down the stairs, left into the backyard, or you can go straight across and walk directly into the garage through a door that has a little glass window and a curtain in it. This is a major fire separation violation. Any door with glass in it is not a fire door. At my advice, she's planning to relocate that door entirely into a newly sectioned off mud space in another part of the house and carve out a little pantry storage in the former door opening. But at the very least, she does need to replace that glass door with a fire rated solid door. She also needs to have thicker drywall applied to the walls that are shared between the house and garage to meet modern code standards. If you have or will have an attached garage, you may need to make changes to the materials on that wall that separates the garage and house and any doors that go between them. To maintain a proper fire separation between the house and the garage can be as simple as adding a fire rated door. This will be in the manufacturer's information and then using five eighths inch thick drywall on the garage side of the wall. Again, this just makes good sense. We tend to keep gas and other combustible fluids in the garage. Better safe than sorry. So just to summarize, when you remodel a kitchen, expect to bump up against the plumbing, electrical, possibly even the zoning and fire safety codes. How do you go about planning out the exact code that affects your home? Well, with a little Googling, you can probably find everything you need. Start with a property lookup of your address with the local assessor's website. This will tell you when your home was built, the zoning district, and what the assessor knows about square footage and building materials. You can also see records of sales uh, called conveyances going back for some years. From there, you can Google your local zoning code for your municipality and then track down the relevant information on setbacks, height and area restrictions, etc. You can find out what building code governs your jurisdiction and find a copy online of the code. I warn you, however, that this is often dry and very obscure. Sometimes the easiest way to get all this information, plus find out what the city already knows about your home, is just to ask them. That will leave no room for doubt. When you call the city building department, you can also ask if they have any records on file for your house, previous remodels, or its original construction. They can look it up by address and let you know exactly when and what work was done in the past. My remodeling home tip of the week is to know everything you can about your house and the codes that affect it so that you can avoid unpleasant and potentially expensive surprises when you get into the remodel. That's all for now. If you want to grab some of those handy links or the roadmap that lays out this entire remodeling process, you can get those at the show notes, midmod-midwest.com slash 504. Here is my pause for a heartfelt appeal. Please do take two minutes to pop into your podcast app. And if you enjoy this, leave a rating and review. I would adore to get your feedback and it will help new listeners find the show. Next week, we're going to be talking about materials and finishes, which I know is uppermost on every kitchen remodeler's mind. 